Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 30th, 2017. As far back as the 1990s, I gave talks on how populations are controlled to vote one way or another, or even to not to vote at all, depending on what kind of system you lived under. And I went through the sciences of managing mass populations. So well understood, even before the 20th century, you find that there are techniques when it comes to election time, naturally. The truth is never told, except for the fact that whoever's talking will say, I feel your pain. They listen to what the grumblings of the public are. They even employ people to go out and find out what the public are thinking. And they parrot it off to the public, so you'll vote for it to get them in. And it's, therefore, it's the easiest way to get in, you might say, through a surreptitious deception. And it's commonly, commonly used by politicians. The greatest example has been the recent one in the United States, where all the usual promises are given, and the public are, are, have their flag waving and all the usual kind of stuff. They think they're going to go back to the 1950s or 60s level of what they think America was. And it doesn't materialize for them. They've been had again. And the neocons are back in power. And many other newspapers, in fact, are actually saying that it's so obvious. It's so incredibly obvious. The CFR are all back in the saddle again. And the trilateral guys as well. So it's the same bunch, basically, that had George Bush Jr. and ran his campaign and ran the government for on his particular term uh, that you see now. Uh, and they're on steroids now, even more so, I would think, by what I see, than George Bush Jr. It's quite amazing to see, again, the cult of the personality. And I even give talks in the 90s, too, about all the techniques they would use, the grassroots patriotism stuff they would use to get back in power. And don't be fooled that everybody at the bottom who was involved in getting them into power uh, were had as well. They knew what they were doing. Everything out there is a show. Everything out there is a show. And I said again back in the 1990s that why, why on earth would a system of the all-seeing eye miss since information plays such a big part in bringing us to our conclusions? Why on earth do you think that the all-seeing eye misses what seems to be alternate media? Of course it didn't. From the beginning it didn't, even when there was no internet for the general public. I gave the talks before, which were in the newspapers in Canada to do with American Patriot Radio, that was set up back in the 60s by the CIA. They used Christian organizations at that time, initially to really counter communist propaganda on the airwaves coming from from the Soviet Union at that time. But of course, no agency lets go of an, a, a venue uh, to get propaganda across. No, nothing's ever changed. When you live in this world, you're, you're going to fight battle after battle after battle. And you've got to understand that everywhere around you is a battleground. The techniques, as I explained many years ago, of controlling you is to stop you forming your own grassroots organizations. 
people still try here and there, but not so much. But they try occasionally to get their own organizations off the ground. They're immediately infiltrated. Other ones are fake to begin with. And the technique to control and counter everything is to always have think tanks working ahead on future repercussions from strategies which are going to be implemented into the general society through policies and so on. How are the people react to this policy and they have think tanks working on it okay certain sectors will react this way other sectors will react that way how can we counter any negative reaction so they give you leaders before they even let it loose upon the public and they're already made up for you I likened this before to a big shopping mall where you walk in to the shopping mall or into a place where you buy suits to wear suits, and they've got they've got sizes for all kinds of people, all different colours. So so already made for you. Whatever your beef is in society, they've got one made for you already. Just put it on and follow it and wear it and so on. That's how it works. The, the Pied Piper syndrome, I call it. They give you the leaders. They say all the right things. They heavily back them, and they can't lose. And we go round in circles and round in circles and round. We're never getting anywhere because it's not intended you get anywhere by following. It's intended to diffuse any real grassroots movements from setting up on their own and demanding their rights, etc. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. I keep telling you too, don't expect some writer, like a, some movie, like a Clint Eastwood movie, to ride into town, the one, and clean it all up for you. You've got to do it yourself. And it's a long-term project, generally. But if you get enough people to back you with your complaints and so on, you, can, you will eventually get heard. It doesn't mean that they will, they'll immediately capitulate and just do what they want. It doesn't happen that way. You know that. But when enough people speak the truth, it can't be denied. It can be diverted, certainly, because they're awfully good at creating crisis to take your mind off what you're trying to do to make you de- de- literally focus on surviving, just basic surviving, through financial crashes and things like that. And that's why they have wars on the go all the time too, as well as, as bringing in a system of global governance. That's the whole, I've given talks on them. It's for years, global governance. Going way back to the League of Nations, to the different people who helped set up the League of Nations and from their own books talking about what they wanted it to be, an embryo for world government, a nucleus, you might say. And eventually that blossomed into the United Nations only because they had another war. And H.G. Wells and other people said, after World War I, the folk wouldn't give up their, their sovereignty. We need another war to bring them to their knees, basically. And so they had it, and sure enough, the League of Nations initially after World War II, really pushed, the United Nations really pushed after World War II to become a world government. And they had lots of declarations across the planet, frequently until the people said, no, no, we don't want to fall for that. We still like our countries. And so they took the back burner for a while, and but now again they're ready to push as we gear up for another, at least the appearance of another big war. Because the U.S. 
and it's going to, it's, it's supposedly saber rattling towards Russia. They have their fleet, uh, a big fleet going over towards off Japan. And this fleet, remember, can just as easily strike Russia from the east, its eastern borders, northeastern borders. And they've already got uh, forces in Poland and elsewhere to deal with uh, Russia from the other side. So it's, 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 it's the big, big stick again and the threat of a nuclear war. And they're using a pretense of it to be North Korea. North Korea was never was a joke, really, up until now. So it makes you wonder, is it a feint, as I say, towards uh, warning Russia on its eastern borders? And that's how things are done. And then another part, too, is to cover the fact that thousands of troops have already left and are massing to finish off Syria and to go into Iran as well. It's on the go. It's on the go all the time. Everyone knows that Trump made the promises to the right people before the election. Everybody knows it. Stop kidding yourselves. That part's been fulfilled. The other technique was to let Hillary get in and continue the Obama system of using the proxy army against Syria. And it was just taking too long. It wasn't getting the job done. And certain other people were um, impatient about it. And so Trump made the right promises, and away it goes. Away it goes again. And to most people, it's unreal because they, they won't think about it. They've been trained to sit back and let uh, Big Brother do the driving. Don't worry about it. Just play yourself. Because really, right now, if all of it was, or any of it was real, they would be worried. They would be worried when you're playing dice here with superpowers and the nuclear weaponry and so on. But again, we saw this pulled off with Ronald Reagan when they talked about mutually assured destruction, a big, big final ploy to make the Russians just cave in, the Soviet Union. And I think that's part of the ploy again, as basically the, the power mongers of the world have the world dominated by U.S. forces and European forces for themselves. Uh, they always use other forces to do it. And they will own, basically, the resources across the entire Middle East eventually. And, and beyond, in fact. And of course, if they can get Russia to capitulate once more, they can have all their resources there too. It's rather disgusting how, how primitive, power-hungry nutcases really are. And when you get lots of them all on board with the same agenda, it can be rather, rather scary indeed for other people. But it's also boring. It's boring because it's, I think I saw this coming, and I know other people... Were losing their heads basically for being pro-Trump. They fell for all it, the, the, all of it, hook, line, and sinker. They they fell for the whole darn thing, and now they're going to pay for it, of course. And it's not even just paying for it; it's also like a na 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 from the Trump group at the top, almost like a mocking of the people who thought he would do other things for the actual country itself. He's backtracked in everything he said, of course. And even the NAFTA deal was kind of funny because 
he said initially he would scrap NAFTA. It's all managed between the US, Canada and Mexico, what they're going to tell their own populations. In Canada, Trudeau told the people that he was firm on it and so on, blah, 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 and put, put Trump straight. Same with Mexico. And, and Trump can keep the US citizens happy by saying, well, he put everybody else straight and so on, but he won't scrap it right away. He'll, he'll negotiate for better deals. Well, this is how we're all managed. They all agree amongst themselves. They have no intention of scrapping it. And never did. And in the negotiations and renegotiations of certain aspects of NAFTA are always being adjusted every year since it was first put into, into effect as they adjust different sales and taxes and lack of taxes and so on between the three different groups. There's also other, other countries in Latin America they don't mention very much to you, but other countries get massive subsidies from NAFTA. Uh, like Chile, I think, got a whole bunch. Of the big, big agri-food businesses were in there heavily years ago, preparing for it all to bring up cheap food into the U.S. and Canada. I don't really. I think they still might bring some up yet. I don't know, but so the whole idea, remember, for NAFTA was to bring in the whole of Latin America, and have a, a united America's continent, basically. But now, as I say, we're we're right back to the the same old thing. We have all been had, and it doesn't help uh, anything by not just knowing it. Except you'd hope people learn from experience, but most folk don't. Like that old saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Well, unfortunately, the latter part uh, is is what most folk um, go along with, but they don't shame themselves because they never remember. Remembering is also a decision. When you've really been royally screwed, you should remember it. Remember it. And don't be so easy to forgive. Because people knew darn well what they were doing here. Darn well. Complete strategy. Don't believe it's, it's just been gradually taken over once Trump got... No, no. This was all planned long before. <laughs> this was a strategy. And the lone gunman sure showed his posse after, you know, they had behind him once he got into power. And it was all the wrong people. But in reality, it was the right people that, that, that were... And on the planning from the day one, basically. It was the American public that had to be fooled to get them in at all. So here we go back into the, the war cycles. And for as long as I can remember, I think, there's always been this fracas in the Middle East. And it's basically your whole life long. And it continues and continues and continues. It's rather amazing, too, that countries that are supposedly completely broke can all participate in, in these wars. And even the ones that grab the loot and participate in the wars and, and finance it all still end up paying for all. It's only the private international corporations that end up making the cash out of it. And many of them are based offshore anyway somewhere else. But the countries we pay for all, we're all used and abused. It's a big, big joke at the top. It really is a big joke at the top. Let's come on, let's be honest here. Let's, let's be honest about these things. I was looking through some articles. As I say, you, you don't get much news in, in reality. Everything's show business now. I've said years ago too, and <laughs> right up to the present, uh, that people worship the cult of the personality. 
people like that, especially now that we're, we're into a showbiz system and people are, are so entertained from morning till night uh, that they expect it now. They can't listen to just a basic talk on things that really matter to them. And they, they want entertainment to go along with it. And that is their choice. That is their choice. You have to allow them to do that too. That's what I've often said, that I could never be a champion for the people, like, like a cheerleader for them, because the people really are ready to murder you when you point these things out before the elections, because they've, 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 they've already drunk the Kool-Aid and, and they don't like what you're saying. You can't help them, because it's a choice, isn't it? And I used to wonder about the collective punishment they used to talk about, about nations. And some religions have that in their religion too, that whole nations have collective punishment that kind of follows you down through time occasionally. And when you look at everything that leads up to anything, there's always a collective element Involved either where people are all for something because again they've been they, they like the lie and they've chosen to believe the liar, or or else they've completely ignored all the relevant facts which are known to everybody because that was a choice they don't want to have unpleasant facts and so the evil is allowed to to have its own way. So technically, it's true that there's a collective kind of punishment and everything. Even for the ones who didn't, didn't participate, they, it still, still happens to them too. But t- tonight I'm going to talk a, a little bit about a few things. Because there's more going on than, than, than that, even though it's, it's severe enough when they're, they're saber-rattling and threatening war as usual. But other things are happening too, because it's a big, big plan. There's always a big, big plan <laughs> It's always the same big plan, this global system. And it's not a stretch of the imagination simply to talk about a global government basically one day. That's always been the goal from the League of Nations. You can read the books by the founders themselves. We're up to the present time. And sure, they really mean what they say. It's not just, oh, let's have a global government. It's all the different parts of the big agenda, the big idea, as they call it, all the different parts of it getting put into place by think tanks, by their front men and women who act on behalf of the think tanks, and then it filters into the media, who obligingly always put it out for them, and and then the public might get little little bits and pieces of it, and that's how we learn. Most Most folk don't learn by listening intently, to anything right through from beginning to end to listen to bits and pieces and so they're given bits and bites repetitively until by osmosis, as Jack Zillow said they, they have an idea in their head often often confused but it's still there and they accept things well, part of the agenda too is, remember, an, a, a world without borders that's always been part of it the Council on Foreign Relations the trilateral group that, that belongs to the same group too, by the way, uh, and their daddy institution that was born in Britain, often from people not from Britain, in fact, but lived in London, and they came up with their own Institute for International Affairs after the, they called themselves the Milner Group, and they'd always planned this global 
system. You can actually go a bit further back even to, I mentioned it before, the American Revolution, because Benjamin Franklin and others did write and say that they hoped that this, this federation of the states, the initial states of the United States, would become a federation of the world. And that idea has never, ever been lost. But for all great-sounding things, there's always a, a con behind it. Because there's a dualistic system in the world. It's always been here. And for every good-sounding and, 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 and heartfelt agenda out there to help people and so on, there's always this other side who used that to get what they want, and then they have power over the people. They always want power for themselves, and they'll come forward as your, as your benefactors, always. But they want power for themselves because they have a different idea of society. I've given too many talks in the past to go over them. So I tell people to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com archives and you can, you can listen to your heart's content of years and years of talks where I've gone through from their own books and own articles about the system they want to bring in, how to bring it in, and, and technocracy and everything else. And again, it's, it doesn't go to sleep. It never goes to sleep. If you don't hear for, about it for a year or two, it's because they're working again and, and bring it out under a different name, for instance. It's the same thing over and over and over. The cashless society ties right in with it. Bertrand Russell mentioned eventually a system of credits to the people. And the credits will be issued every, every week or every month. You couldn't save them up, by the way. So if you didn't spend them all, you'd start off at the same amount to the beginning of every month. And... They'd also use that to penalise people who, today we'd call it politically incorrect, if you're politically incorrect. You get penalised, to withdraw your credits, you would, you would suffer, you couldn't pay your rent or whatever. And there's many ways to, to treat you like an animal, basically, with punishment and reward. Very, very simple stuff. And believe it or not, that system is still getting pushed but it's across the board now again. When you see something coming off 10 different organizations at the same time across the world, maybe even more organizations pushing the same thing at the same time, you better believe it's a global agenda with a head at the top. They're not all coming to these, these, into these plans by, by independent means. Everything's coordinated. The same thing as, as all this, this saber rattling against Russia and, and, and so on. It was, it was planned before Trump got in. Everything takes, takes a long, long time of planning. We found the same thing, too, with the troops ready to go into Afghanistan before 9-11 happened. But nothing is spontaneous. When people have spontaneous reactions to things, generally there is a catastrophe. And that's what results from it. It's not thought through. The supplies aren't thought through and so on. And things go wrong. That's what, just what happens. So tonight, anyway, I'll mention a couple of articles. Now, Paul Creek Roberts, who always leans way over to the left, has some good insights too. He, he also believes that the global warming stuff, we should pay the carbon taxes, because the left all know 
and I've read their articles so long over the years, where they admit that even if it's a con, they can use the money across the world. That's what they believe, and it's not going to go to help the people. We know that, but they still want to believe it. So they say. So they say. But anyway, he does talk about the, the deep state. He says Trump is now a captive in the deep state. And he calls the American people gullible, which, again, is, is the, Bertrand Russell said it uh, in his own books. He said, uh, you can, they used to think, we used to think, he's talking about being a technocrat, you see, and how they, they plan to, to sway the public's minds on things and get them to vote the right way. But he said, we used to think we could, we could just simply expound the truth to the people and explain to them, and they would take the logical conclusion uh, and, and follow our advice. And so they said, but no, we find it's far more effective. You can get a lot more people to instantly obey you if you simply wave the national flag and, and have a brass band play the national tunes. And that's so true. So anyway, uh, Paul Craig Roberts talks about the gullible and insouciant uh, American public and the prostitutes, meaning the prostitute media, who participate in the deceptions permitted the deep state to get away with the fairy tale that a few Saudi Arabians under the direction of Osama bin Laden, but without the support of any government or intelligence agency, were able to outwit the entirety of the Western Alliance and Israel's Mossad and deliver the greatest humiliation in history to the world's only superpower by making the entirety of the U.S. government dysfunctional on September 11, 2001. Washington learned that it could get away with anything, any illegal and treasonous act, any lie. The gullible Western populations would believe anything that they were told. And he goes on to say not only the Americans, but uh, all of the, the satrapies, you might say, of America, because every country now is dangling on the IMF and the World Bank uh, that are run basically by the U.S. Well, at least out of the U.S., but not, <laughs> maybe not by the U.S., Depends how you look upon it. But anyway, he talks about how the other countries are all on board with whatever the U.S. does because they have no option financially. And he goes on too about Obama inheriting the deep state's agenda from George W. Bush. And he said he set up Syria's Assad for regime change by repeating for many months that if Assad used chemical weapons in the civil war that Washington had sent ISIS to conduct, and it's true, we, we have to remember all the different articles that came out, even from the CFR's own, own uh, magazine website and so on. And they mentioned about ISIS being their best ally <laughs> in this, uh, this attempt to get Assad out. Uh, and, of course, we know that uh, the U.S. and other countries were funding ISIS as well, and training them. Anyway, so Assad would have to would have crossed the red line if chemical weapons were used. That was that was that was made up to, because they intended to eventually have the expose of of chemical weapons being used. Who had put them there is a different story, but that, that was all set up to give them the, the kind of moral high ground to invade Syria. You know that everybody knows that. To try and burn the idea into the feeble minds of the Western population, Obama then arranged for a chemical weapon to be exploded in Syria and blamed it on Assad. Thus, the red line had been crossed. Then Susan West was told, and America would now invade. And that, that's what it's all about. It's everything, everything's always made up the same way, uh, as though that some agreement had really, really, really been made, or, or supposedly... Uh, that even if weapons had never been used, they'll say that it's been used. There was no inquiry into it. We know that too. 
And we know that there are many experts saying that uh, definitely the chemical claimed uh, sarin would definitely was not used. Therefore, it's up to you to do. I mean, let's be honest too. You've got other countries flying their jets over <laughs> Syria and bombing them too, and uh, anything can be, could have been dropped there from some some other country, for instance. But anyway, however it was done, that's their plan to get it to get it done. And just so the general public across the world will just sit and yawn and go back to sleep. It's none of their business. And that that's why they tell you these silly little fairy tales as to why they're going to invade countries. And then another one too. It says Washington plans to nuke Russia and China. And once again, you find that Paul Craig Roberts Gives you a good insight into what's happening uh, with this saber-rattling, as I like to call it, and some of the things that are behind it. And it's worthwhile reading through, where you accept everything he says or not doesn't matter, because you get bits and pieces of information from all kinds of sources. It's quite obvious to me, always has been, even from Britain uh, during the Cold War, that many of those in British Parliament and in the House of Lords had hefty investments in the war industry, you might say. And I think many of them treated government as a private business that they were involved in. That's how they saw it. I think that's how most of them actually really see it, that the lifers, the lifelong politicians, that's how they really see it. It's a private business and they, they get to help themselves to an extent while they're in, in it, involved in it. And you find even going back to the days of Disraeli, he mentioned himself about the corruption inside the government in his day in Britain. But then you find the articles in the US. I, I wonder if people really just accept it today that this, this is the normal and they don't mind it. Because if you don't mind it, then there's very little that you will eventually mind, and it's always bad news down the road for everybody. But you find this one here to do with China investing in New York City. Now, that's not new to an extent, but it says that investment in New York City from China investment in the real estate has skyrocketed over the past year. And they're taking a big bite out of the Big Apple, it says here. But then you go into this one here. It says here that China learns how to get Trump's ear through Jared Kushner, his son-in-law. And that's not news here to to a lot of people because they're well aware of of New York City and Trump's own dealings with real estate big time. And they know how it works. And they know how it's run. And everyone knows how it's run. Everyone knows it. There's a lot of foreign money and foreign players involved in the flipping over of real estate inside New York City. And other states do now as well, by the way. But uh, So it says China learns how to get Trump's year through Jared Kushner. And when President Trump welcomes the President uh, Jinping of China to his Palm French Florida club for days of meeting Thursday, the studied informality of the gathering will beat the handiwork of two people, Chinese ambassador to Washington and Mr. Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. They talk about you know, all the transactions and so on and so on. 
government's good business for, for those involved in it. <laughs> it really is. And uh, then you have this article too, from a, it's from a, The Forward, which is a Jewish newspaper in the U.S., it says, did Jared Kushner have real estate links to shady Israeli billionaire? Jared Kushner and his family business have now been linked to real estate transactions with an Israeli billionaire under investigation in four countries for bribery and corrupt practices. According to the New York Times, Kushner partnered in 2012 with Raz Steinmetz, whose family got rich in the diamond business. They purchased $190 million worth of New York rental properties. Raz Steinmetz put up $50 million of funding in down payments. They've raised questions because of Raz Steinmetz's uncle, Benny Steinmetz, who's facing criminal probes in Israel, the United States, Switzerland, and Guinea, it says. What can you do, eh? That's just, what can we do? What can the public do? We're all kind of second-class citizens to an extent. When it comes to big money and power, And then another one, too, to do with America First, the whole idea of America First. This is not so fast what we've learned from the first hundred days of Trump's foreign policy. And uh, it always is backtracking. But again, if you got fooled by all the, all the, uh, the, 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 good, the good display, I don't know who the scriptwriter was for it all, but, or the, the bunch that, uh, that helped do it all. But uh, they did a good job to get them in, obviously, before they showed their hand of who they actually all were. And, and, now, they, and now all the newspapers love them again. They all love them. They're all on board with them. He's their boy. And then this one, too, for foreign policy, wonks. M-W-O-N-K-S Trump's first hundred days have been a bit like a roller coaster ride In just over three months the new administration has veered from one crisis to another From Syria to North Korea, China to Canada Which is all show really for Canada There was never a, a chance they were going to cancel the NAFTA deal Sudden Trump and reversals on various foreign policy issues have been sharp enough to produce Whiplash. Meanwhile, this barrage of strange foreign policy choices and statements make it difficult to guess what's coming next. There's nothing difficult about what's coming next. This is a continuation of the wars and so on. Continuation. And maybe some younger faces in the neocons, and that's all. And uh, war, 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 you know. Yep. So in the eve of the 100 days in office milestone, President Trump claims he's both a nationalist and a globalist, despite campaign promises his presidency would reject globalism and put America first. Well, as I say, it really is, it's almost like na-na-na-na-na time, isn't it? <laughs> You've all been had, really, isn't it? There you go. There you go. And this one here. Now, as I've mentioned before, we're run by so many think tanks. We don't elect any of them. They're all working. They all have the same head. You always find it that because they're all coordinated across the world, different different think tanks, different NGO groups, but all getting funded through the same big foundations. And, and your tax money gets put in there too. And you would think that would be a, a conflict of interest that they put your tax money into organizations that plan to eradicate your nations. 
<laughs> it's kind of like I used to be one. I used to wonder about communism and Marxism to find out that so many of them that, that fled Europe before World War Two ended up getting top jobs in universities in Britain and elsewhere, and then started teaching right off the cuff at Marxism. I used to say, well, why would why would your nations? And this is the big big mystery, isn't it? Why would your nations allow and and bring them bring people in whose avowed promise and their sworn allegiance to a particular cause was to destroy your nations and and your upper elite? Now your upper elite aren't stupid. Why would they allow that to happen? Huh? Unless unless all of this and all those who are used in the high places are getting used for an even higher purpose by the ones at the top. Because if the ones at the top are, are, aren't stupid, they would never have allowed them, these people, to come into the country and then set up shop in your universities and start preaching Marxism to cause revolutions. So uh, the ones at the top have to be in on it, maybe even unbeknownst to the Marxists down below. They have to be in on it, obviously. But all the, these organizations today are run, as I say, by the big authorized foundations and these charitable institutions are just tax-free foundations that are owned by incredibly wealthy corporations and individuals too. And they help create now uh, policy for nations. You don't vote them in, but they create policy for nations. And they have the ear uh, to... To your, to your different countries, like the, the CFR has, they, they put themselves out as a advisory uh, organization to, to government. Well, did you get to vote them in? Have you ever looked into what they are all about and what they stand for? Of course you haven't. But also, too, your own governments have the, the G7s and the G8s and G-whizzes and, and you know, G20s, things like that. They, they they create their their own particular little clubs, and then they decide amongst themselves, supranationally, what they're going to do with you. Supposedly, that's what we're told. But in reality, whatever they push is always something to sign, and what they sign is always something else, which is written up and worked out in advance by the private organisations, like the Council on Foreign Relations. So you have to wonder, who really runs your government? Because it certainly isn't the people. We know that. But when you have powerful institutions, worldwide institutions, by the way, like the Council on Foreign Relations, or the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which also runs the European Group for International Affairs, and the Far Eastern ones too, they run them all. When they can draft up Policies to amalgamate every country into blocks like like NAFTA and and Europe and the Far Eastern Pacific Rim region. When they can do that, why why don't we just get to vote for these rather than politicians? Just vote for these. It saves some money. Let's vote for the CFR since they seem to run everything. And the trilateral group is simply pulled out of the CFR for specialized tasks. They're the real technocrats that travel around getting things done. But none of them are elected. 
They can be in government, but you don't elect them for, for their membership in these private organizations. Anyway, the future of work, how G20 countries can create the conditions for digital industrial innovations to create stronger, high-quality employment as well as faster economic growth. So this comes out 2017 to do with what can we do with the public? Because, you see, in a, what they're talking about here is an, an international system, a global system, with uh, populations that will be I'll only, I'll only have so much full-time work for people because of uh, robotization and the mechanization system and certainly not enough jobs to go around. So what they want to do, and it's again, a bit, it's, it comes out on, from different sources all at the same time, which tells you there's a head to all these organizations. But what they want to do is to basically give a basic pay whether you're working or not, to every individual across the planet. And so they say a number of G20 countries face high unemployment rates, especially amongst the young. Technological change has already displaced some sections of the workforce, though global competition and, in some cases, market rigidities have also played an important part. Now, this is an old idea with the technocrats floated over the years. They've tried different... Tests of it in other countries in past times, generally with disastrous results, but doesn't stop the big agenda. You always find that when, when things are written in stone by the globalists, and I really mean globalists, there are globalists who, are, who dominate the planet and the policies of the planet. And they've been here for an awful long time, and, um, but it doesn't matter, they'll keep bashing that square peg into a round hole, one way or another. They keep doing it. So this is again. This is again being pulled out. This, the same, the same agenda, same part of the agenda, uh, and all at the same time, they're all trying to, to force this through. And this is from the G20. It says here, the people who I guess speak on behalf of the G20 and help uh, work up their their policies and so on. And then they use again philanthropists. So philanthropists have a right to dictate how we should live. And I read the articles years ago from the Council on Foreign Relations when they said it was now time for the philanthropists to take their proper place in helping to govern the world. And you don't vote them in again, remember. And that's why Bill Gates and many other folk have this. They make superstars of them. And like any other star that's created music or, or acting, uh, they make the star. They make the star. They give them the gimmicks and so on. They make them the star. And it's the same with uh, Bill Gates and all the rest of them. There's actually an organization that makes stars of what they call scientists. And anyway, it says here, Bill Gates recently argued that it might be desirable to slow the pace of innovation. Others have advocated adoption of universal basic income schemes. Now, what they're talking about, too, is creating a two-tiered, maybe a three-tiered system. Uh, they've had many names for it in the past. Uh, Bernard Russell said... The elite basically already back in the 30s and 40s had created, because of the special selective breeding amongst each other and, and marrying intelligence and money and all the rest of it, they, they had formed basically a separate species. Today they dampen it a little bit. They call it, generally in most of their writings, they'll call it a breakaway civilization. 
I've read articles before where they're using it transhuman. They're transhuman, all these, these people who are big philanthropists, like Bill Gates. Although the, when you look into the philanthropy, it's a bit more devious than, than straightforward philanthropy, believe you me. Anyway, so he argued it might be desirable to slow the pace of innovation. What's for you? See, for them at the top, they'll have uh, sciences. They'll be using the sciences and the outcomes of those sciences, whether it's vehicles or whatever, way above anything that you're ever going to see or get to use. Same with medical treatment and so on. So slow the pace of innovation. Others have advocated the adoption of universal basic basic income schemes. So they want to bring you down to universal basic income schemes. That's like globalist right? income schemes. And they talk about ways to do it and so on and the possible things that could go wrong and, uh, and so on and so on. Then there's another one uh, that came out to show you how old the idea is. It's much older than this one, but on, on the 26th of November 1968, the Senate of Canada constituted the Special Senate Committee on Poverty by approving the following resolution. And then they talked about that there. They could have worked towards it then. It didn't quite work out that way, but it shows you how old this idea is. Now, the bankers at the very, very top that really run the world, I'm talking about about those who lend and run the the, the international banking system, they lend to nations. Uh, They know where they're going. They know where they're going and where it's supposed to go. And they would love a system of guaranteed payments out and guaranteed borrowing by by the nations. To pay for all. Another one too. Uh, this article here was from 2011. Let's refocus on a guaranteed annual income. That was in Canada again, the Globe and Mail, and same thing again. You see how you you get softened up to the ideas. Most folk, as I say, will hear bits and pieces through radio or TV, bits and bites, as I say, just hits them, and, and so they'll think they've got a, a kind of vague understanding. They don't know if it came to them in a dream or what it is. There's a little bit of an understanding there, and so it's not totally foreign to them. Therefore, when it's implemented, it seems quite normal to them, like a, an, actual, um, an actual sequence of, of, of events to bring it into being. That's, it, that's how it happens. You're all trained to accept things without even thinking it through. Another one, too, is from this article here on... Switzerland, uh, they were offered that in 2016, same plan. And Switzerland has an an amazing system because the government can't really change anything that will affect society without national votes by the people, real real plebeian votes, you might say. No other country gets that. And it says Switzerland's voters reject basic income plan. And it goes on to say that... uh, the overwhelmingly rejected proposal to introduce a guaranteed basic income for all. 77% opposed the plan, with only 23% backing it. They called for adults to be paid an unconditional monthly income, whether they worked or not. This, this is the system of post-consumerist society, remember. I've given talks on this before, the post-consumerist society, uh, where you're kept basically in, at, um, by the state. But the state then dictates how you're going to live, or even if you're going to live at all, by the way. I'm not kidding about that. This is technocracy at work and technocracy in action. And 
it said that uh, there was little support amongst them, uh, the politicians, for the idea. Not a single parliamentary party came out in favour, but the proposal gathered more than 100,000 signatures and was therefore put to the vote under the Swiss Popular Initiative System. Critics of the measure said that disconnecting the link between work done and money earned would have been bad for society. And it goes on and on. But they've tried it in other countries too. Another article too talks about robots sparking debate. So again, that's to catch your attention. All robots are catch your attention. And sparks debate about needs for a guaranteed basic income. In other words, mechanization. This is with 40% of all jobs already non-full-time. Uh, that is temporary, part-time or contingent. Robotic automation is pushing the historical job paradigm off the cliff. The global elite technocrats who are driving this fourth industrial revolution, that's what they call it, by the way, are already moving in the direction of establishing a universal basic income to pacify all the unemployed masses. Now, remember, this is from the same people. The whole idea of this, and, and, to, and, and the think tanks that work for them, the same people who, who basically deindustrialized the Western countries. And had and signed up the whole idea for the WTO and the GATT Treaty and so on, and signed it all up to transport your jobs over to China and your factories and everything. Now they say, oh dear, now there's no work for you, so we're going to have to give you a basic income. But it also comes with the basic set of rules of government agencies running your lives. That's what it is, of course it is. It says the global elite technocrats are driving the force industry are already moving in the direction of establishing universal basic income to pacify all the unemployed masses. And really, that's what it is, isn't it? That's what it is. Most folk won't, won't mind. A lot of folk don't mind socialism, and a lot of folk wouldn't mind just sitting home and playing, uh, as long as entertainment is kept cheap, etc., etc. Another one here is five basic questions on basic income as Ontario launches its experiment, and that's April 25th, 2017, CBC Canada. And they are about, uh, it's an idea targeted at ending chronic poverty, replacing the complex maze of social assistance programs with a guaranteed minimum income with no strings attached. Well, nothing in this world is for free folks. And anybody who believes there's no strings attached uh, you should also get your, get your head checked as well, I think. And um, they're going to try this pilot project, it says, to study the effects of guaranteeing a basic income to about 4,000 households in three places in the province, including Hamilton. Now, if the idea is that there's not going to be enough work for people across the world, across Europe and Britain and elsewhere, and at the same time, the reason for bringing in mass immigration is because the folk in those countries are not producing enough children to pay off the national debt. Why would you be bringing in migrants if there's going to be no, no work for them to do? You understand? There's got to be other reasons for all of this. All of this. And no country is going to be, well, except maybe, well, I'll forget that, but most countries are not going to be allowed to be completely independent and self-sufficient. That's the global agenda. And with all the crisis, I guarantee you, you can always see into the future to see how they're going to get their old plans to, to come to fruition. 
And they talked about this a long, long time ago, over and over and over, about bringing down the world's population. That's what was always behind the idea, I remember, of initially global warming, then climate change, never calling it CO2, etc., and it's carbon. The whole idea behind it was to depopulate, bring down the population. People bad, people bad, people bad. Well, wait till you see when when you've got more and more folk basically uh, getting paid not to work and getting paid to accept it like that without even looking for work and just accept the fact there'll be no work. Wait till you see the mess that will create and then they'll turn around and say, well, now we've got to really depopulate, folks. So all those who are on this particular program, please turn up and we're going to sterilize you for free. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding about this. You can see, you can smell it. When, when you've read enough of the, of the, of the big books that they turn out every so often from the top on this kind of thing, you always ask yourself, how are they going to fulfill this? How, how are they going to get the public to agree with this? And so on. It's quite easy. You just simply create chaos. When you've created chaos and misery and, and, and fear and poverty, uh, then the folk will um, go along with the flow to, 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 to sur- try to try and survive. They'll do what they're told by the state. And the state have, they have talked about that before. I remember reading an article not too long ago, a few years ago, from the head of China. And in it, it was to the West, and it was to the United Nations too. And he said that he was holding... The, the West to their agreement in, in depopulation as well, because the West have been hammering at China for, for the numbers that they have there. But he says that he was holding them to their agreement as well. So, so the West has made agreements for, for bringing the numbers down, folks. Well, how are they going to get it down? Huh? They don't just make these agreements just, just to, to blow, blow wind into the air. They make them to fulfill. And we're all paying carbon taxes now up here in Canada. Already. That was made with agreement. The public input wasn't even, there was no public input, basically. It was part of the, the agenda to, to bring us into a, a, almost poverty, basically. They said they're spending money eventually in a post-industrial society would go, in Agenda 21 too, would go into paying taxes and, and basic necessities. Now they've got on the books and they've got on your gasoline elsewhere. They'll, they'll start putting it up so, many, so much percent, maybe three, three times a year, they'll put increases until, it's all, until we just can't afford anything anymore. It's easy to manipulate people through controlling the economy and controlling the value of currency and through taxation. Uh, they, they give courses in universities on this and how to do it for those who get involved in the governmental side of things. But yeah, as I say, they've got all the universities working on this and their think tanks and so on, on how to, how to encourage the people to just go along and, and, and take a... You can imagine, too, <laughs> for the countries that introduced these policies, because I lived in, in Britain when Britain had the, the, the national health care system and so on, and people were coming in from all over Europe and the world to get their, their free treatment of health care in Britain. So much so that, it, that it's, at times the, the people in Britain who were British citizens couldn't get any treatment at all. 
I gave talks on that from the mainstream newspapers. It's that bad, it really is. But of course it's going to bring people in. Wouldn't you, if you're coming from a, a dirt poor country, and say, oh, go, go to this country or that country, they'll pay a, a, a decent uh, wage for doing nothing. And it doesn't say here for any stipulated period of time, it could be for life. Yeah. So it's an old idea again, and uh, they keep at it and at it, because they'll, they'll get what they want, and, and the public really have no say in, in anything at all. They really don't. Mind you, we're kept busy and stupid and entertained to an incredible extent as well. So I'll put a few other links up for these ones too, about the same topic basically, to show you it's across the whole world right now, this, this same agenda. And you'll get the idea that we truly are getting managed by those that claim that they're professional at the top, the professional technocrats. Just lay back and let us manage your lives and we can manage it properly. You're too dumb and stupid, you people down at the bottom there, to do it yourselves. That's how the world really is, folks, and I hate to say it all, and um, it's, it's not my my task to bring you bad news, but it's, it's good that, if, that you actually understand what's going on. Uh, I think we have to really understand what's going on. I cannot simply turn away and look at the bright side of things when such uh, devious, uh, drastic things are happening to the general public. Across the world, too, all the time, by these so-called professionals, more and more categories of professionals that are, that are basically employed, using our tax money to, to keep us in chains. That's, that's how I see the world. We're not getting freer at all. We're, we're, we're getting psychologically entrapped by the professionals that use the psychology against the the population, into a form of, of, it's chains, basically. And they say it's for our own good. Anyway, I hope you're all surviving the, the constant uh, next phase of the, the stepping up of the, the chemtrails above our heads as they whip up the, 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 the climate to try to make us believe that we're, it's all our fault when you have sea storms and so on, because they're really pouring that stuff on now. They really, really are pouring the stuff on now. And I think they've added the, the, the sulfates as well to the sprays, according to some of the, what they were going to do in their testing uh, of the geoengineering. They did admit that they were going to do that and see what happens. Well, they've been doing it all along, but they're really stepping it up, and it's rather obvious. Anyway, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God, your God's go with you.